Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Autocom podcast, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and I'm joined as ever by Steve Cropley. Hello, Steve. Morning, Matthew. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for coming over to mine this morning. Early doors. Ah, good Good fun. to see you. Um, we've got some correspondence, Steve. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com is the address, and Michael Bacon has done that. And he says, I thought your article, Ride and Joy, and that was on about the plush um, vehicle ride test, best car in the world type stuff we yeah. did the other week was a particularly interesting read says Michael the subject of ride quality being of great importance to me if not to many manufacturers these days I regard Steve Cropley as something of a guru in this respect very kind and uh, to always take special note of anything he writes on the subject supplementing your regular road tests I had dared to hope that the lovely old Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud which we borrowed still the quintessential Rolls-Royce in my view may have upstaged at least one of the modern cars but realistically was never going to happen its chassis technology being considered out of date even when it was current yeah Uh, understandably your group test was centered on the expensive but would it be worthwhile repeating the exercise with more attainable cars i continue to be bemused by the fact that the mini with its much vaunted but complicated expensive and space consuming z-axle suspension was constantly criticized for a stiff ride whereas past french cars renaults peugeots and citroens are still regarded as having a great ride um, from much simpler suspension configurations. Yeah, well, I think he's got a point, doesn't he? I mean, the thing we always say about ride comfort is it's with you whether you go to post office or or across the continent, whereas, Mm. um, you know, kind of wonderful road holding is something you feel maybe 3% of your driving time. So I do believe in ride comfort. And the case for cheap cars is in a way more complicated for the engineers because as we know the big problem is uh, is config- configuring the car so it works for fully laden and lightly laden conditions mm. and uh, that gets harder in a lighter car yeah because the difference between one and the other is bigger 
I yeah. guess, as a yeah. bit of proportion. Yeah, the, that's what they say. I mean, you, <clears throat> you're the engineer. But... Oh, well, it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, I think that makes it hard. Yeah. And, and so we should get into it, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and from chatting to engineers, I think the cost of springs and dampers makes a big difference. If you buy an expensive damper, they work better. And if you're, if you're dealing with the cars that we were the other week, you know, they've got expensive suspension systems, haven't they? Air springs and adaptable dampers and 48-volt anti-roll bars and yeah. all kinds of stuff. It, uh, is, a, it, it is remarkable. That a so small you don't run out of travel, is, do you? And no, you, and you, exactly. And the, they can cope with any load condition. And mm. it, No, uh, it was good fun, wasn't it? But it I, was. can, I think it he was. makes an excellent point. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, thanks for your note, Michael. Um, right, on with uh, the pod, which is Steve and me talking about our respective columns and other stuff as well. So let's start with yours, Steve. Your um, week in cars begins with your Mini Cooper S. You've done 30,000 miles in two years. In yeah, family um, the steering committee, that's her car. She does a lot mm. in it. I drive it as well for a bit of a thrash on the weekend. <laughs> and one of the things that strikes me about it is that it's so... Um, convenient and just always there that we 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 take insufficient notice of it in a way it's it's, it's a really great little car i think it fits into the family perfectly mm. but the but the the issue was that one of us not uh, naming names managed to curb one of the front wheels easily done well <laughs> absolutely and uh she doesn't take damage to to wheels very well so right. it was necessary to to take it with all speed to the local dealership. We, mm. I really like my local BMW Mini dealership. It's just a, it's a really pleasant place. There's a kind of community there. The, it seemed to me it starts with the architecture, which is very welcoming, and the people who work there are the same. And the upshot is you really enjoy going there. And there's a bike dealership attached. Oh, excellent. Anyway, I smuggled this thing up there and prevailed upon them to to fix it. And an excellent bloke called Mickey with a lathe type gadget. Just magicked away the graunches in that somebody put in the wheels. Oh, really? Impressive. And it was something to see because I had thought that it was a matter of filler and blokes with, you know, sandpaper and all that. But it, but it was, it was a really uh, well rehearsed process. I mean, everybody yeah. curves wheels, don't they? Hmm. But it was so so well done. I, the car looks immaculate now, and oh, really? she's happy. So excellent. Yeah, I got a wheel done. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember the car, and I can't remember the wheel. But I, it, I took it over to a, a place in Northampton to get a, a, a buckled wheel straightened, buckled. and they put it on a big rig that then affected. Yeah, uh, I think yes. I oh, it was my son's. I think it was my son's Mazda two. Is that a steely? My memory, mate. <laughs> but anyway, no, I think it's a steel wheel. But anyway, it was yeah, it was bent out of shape in one it, in one edge. Yeah, and they put it on a, a thing that spins around and then attach a big. I'm doing the hand gestures, which I realise is absolutely no use on an audio <laughs> I'm podcast. Seeing You're seeing them. <laughs> so anyway, it spins around and then these big yeah. sort of clamps come down at each side and straighten the wheel back into a true That's position. Clever, isn't it? Yeah, it was impressive. I thought, yeah, it was. Are there alloys on that master? He wants alloys on that Mazda. I'm not <laughs> sure he's got them, but he'd like them. Uh, is it is still going strong? Still going strong, mate. Yeah, 100 and, <coughs> oh, I don't know, 130, 40,000 miles it must be now. Uses it all the time. It's a cool yeah. thing. Really good thing. It's great, isn't it? They yeah. never go wrong. They never go wrong. It does. It just, you know, every, every now and again, some, some you know, damper will break or it needs a bit of work underneath. But you look underneath and there's not 
a spot of corrosion on it anyway. No. It's 2007, I think, something yeah. like that. So, you know, it's worth buttons, but it's just as a as a way to get around unbeatable. It's still quite good fun. Yeah, I like the it's Isn't it good that when cars are used as they're designed to be used and, yeah. that, you know, they Mazda patently designed durability into that car and it's got mm. it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Tuesday. Oh, lanky persist. Tell me about that, Steve. Oh, mate. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry for the ritual whinging, but, mm. but I cannot see for the life of me why we have to put up with lane keep assist and lane departure warning. Yep. Configured by somebody thousands of miles away in some computer, mm-hmm. made almost impossible to find in the HMI, in, yep. the, in the infotainment arrangements. And um, it just makes my day bad. I, you yeah. know, that my, where I live is kind of well poulticed with potholes at the moment. Yeah. And this thing fights me if I want to ride, drive around a yeah. pothole. You know, what is the point of that? Yeah. And the other thing, I, you know, I worry about the, the accident issue. I try and resist. If I've forgotten to, to turn it off at the beginning of a, 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 um, a journey, I try not to to tell myself not to mess around with it while I'm going, but mm. plenty of people do. You see them. Yeah, it's a pain yeah. in the backside. It is a pain in the backside. Yeah. So I, my understanding is Europe NCAP insists that it defaults to on when you start the car, and that, that it cannot be a momentary push of a single button to turn it off. Some are better than others, aren't they? Some have a prolonged push of a button. Yeah. The Toyota, you, you sometimes you push a button and then confirm a different one. That's it. But yeah, so, but sometimes it's it's delved into a it's put into a touch screen. But it must Something. cause accidents. Must it? Must do. It must do. And I don't know. I mean, uh, 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 Thatcham, who is the sort of UK contributor to NCAP, has I think at some point invited people over to to see what it is supposed to do and how it isn't supposed to do it. But I don't know what the I don't know how you prove that it reduces accident I don't know if you how you prove it so it reduces lives and if and the more complicated it is to turn off the less likely you are to turn it back on again when you get onto a road where it might be useful but yeah, yeah I mean you've you've come here today mate and I if you pull out of my road within a quarter of a mile there is a sort of split junction where you you turn off to, to you pull off to the right to turn yeah. to turn right every single car pretty much along there the lanky persist has a fit on the way and it's just infuri- it's infuriating and it yeah. really winds me up and I think yeah and I think unnecessarily so yeah it's a bad decision it's yeah. just a bad piece of legislation a bit like the handball regs in football <laughs> yeah I, I agree I think it's uh, yeah I think it's poor I think it's poor yeah. and really winds me up like little else, but we're going to stay calm today, aren't we? We're going to. Well, stay. we'll have a go, mate. Yeah, we'll have I a go. I mean, you've got to go. You've got to go to the airport in a minute. I've got to go to Yankowick in a bit, and then off, uh, which is fine because I've got some copy to finish this afternoon. This gives ah. me the chance to do. I've got to go that. to a black tie dinner tonight. Have you? We a bunch of Le Mans heroes. Oh, in fact, the bong that just came up on my computer was yeah. something that says "Take the DJ back." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. In town somewhere. Yeah, uh, Guildhall. Nice. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, mm. uh, sure, it'll be good. Well, talking of Le Mans heroes, yeah, I think I think you could say that. Um, Gordon Murray, who designed the McLaren F1, which wasn't intended to be a race car, but then won Le Mans. Um, what's your best advice to the CEO of a new car company? 
Oh, well, you, you know how we, sometimes we get co-opted sort of unofficially to talk to people who might be starting some new business. And I was doing that a day or two ago. And and um, and the, the this interview, not really an interview, just a sort of informal chat, ended with the question, what would your advice be to the CEO of a, of a startup automotive company? And I thought, good God, I'm not equipped for this, mate. You know, but... Because <laughs> once you'd have been one. Well, indeed. And the thing is, we're... You know, we get to hide behind a notebook and a keyboard, don't we? It's, mm. a, it's that's that's the best thing about our lives, to be honest. Yeah. Apart from the all all the other good things, <laughs> the other bits. <laughs> but um, I just thought, what the hell am I going to say? And then this piece of wisdom from Gordon Murray popped into me, into my head, and it was um, somebody asked him about um, innovation and you know what drives innovation and so on. And the th- and the thing he said was that you've got to you have to find the question before you come up with an answer. You know, it's all very well to 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 have a wonderful idea for a sort of hydraulic sun visor, hmm. but you have to establish that there's a need. Hmm. And that was the thing I found myself saying, you know, just quoting Gordon Murray saying, before you answer the question, make sure you know what it is. Yeah. And applies to so many things in life. It was just one of those things with the old light bulb moment, you know. I like those little light bulbs. I like those little those little snippets of advice that stick, that stick. And you think actually that's a life changing bit of yeah, you know, thing that will stay with me for quite some time. Yeah. There was a, one of the best pieces of writing advice I ever got was off of our former Rotest editor, still contributor Andrew Frankel, who um, used to read Junior staffers copy just to have a look over it and say well you could do this on your rotors you could do that or whatever and it, it i once read a thing that said say what it is not what it isn't and i thought well that's a, that's a decent <laughs> but right. i mean i know that's a very you know who shouldn't know that but you know that's a very straightforward piece if you write something oh the so-and-so isn't very blah 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 yeah well, say what it is not what it isn't i liked that very oh much. he's a, he's I so like clear-minded isn't he yeah. I, I, it's good fun working with andrew it's, mm. wish, wish we did it more yes same uh, oh yeah, on the old lane keep assist thing. I know we've. You said to me earlier. You said oh, I know we bang on about it all the time. I know we talk about it a lot. It reminded me of I read the Sunday Times car review this Sunday, which is Richard Porter on the Volkswagen ID five. Yeah, and he said and he complained about the infotainment. He said, I know I'm complaining about the infotainment again, but if you were reading a restaurant review and the reviewer went in there and there was poo in the soup, well, he'd write about it. And if six months later, he went back to the same restaurant and there was still poo in the soup, well, he'd write about it again. So, <laughs> and I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair point to repeatedly. He's another clever guy. He is, he? I like him a lot. <laughs> but he's, I, if, if there is a problem with something, it's all right to say it again, again isn't it? It's still not good enough. Yeah. If something's still not good enough, it's still not good enough. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a very short commercial break. Commercial break. It's like it's like radio. Oh, but we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> what car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to My Week in Cars. Uh, You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Peter Hughes 
has done this. He's taken me to task, I think, slightly. Steve. Oh, dear. Yeah, I love the podcast and find myself agreeing with many of your opinions. Thanks, mate. That's my Steve right in the afternoon bit there. Love the show, Steve. <laughs> However, can I be a pedant? Yes, Peter, you can. I've been taking Autoco magazine since I was about 10 in the early 60s, and every week you say it has been published every week since 1895. I do say that. My memory tells me that at some point in the strike-ridden 70s, there was a printing strike and issues were not produced. Sorry to be pedantic, but it rankles every time I hear you say it. Am I correct, or am I just getting too old for accurate memory? Well, I don't know for sure. I was told that there were a couple of gaps in the 70s, but I can't quite remember. And the last time I looked in the archive, and I did have a look at one point, I couldn't pinpoint, if any, which were missing. Do you know? I think they missed about four. Oh, really? Um, and just uh, for your info, Peter, they also missed a few during the war, I believe. Oh, did they? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that. Not at the beginning of the war, when everybody was sort of shocked by right. what had happened. So, technically, you're correct. Mm. Um, so, my apologies, Peter. Oh. So, well, what I say, published <laughs> weekly since 1895, <laughs> and that will... Well, you could say published nearly every week. Nearly every week. That's it. it doesn't quite have the same... No. I'll tell you what, Peter, break. if you've got a... You know, can you can you recommend a claim we could make, please? <laughs> Just drop I'm going to go line. with... I might go with weekly since 1895, but I, I mean, it's, it's pretty much... Oh, it's not every week. It's you're a right. lot of weeks. It's a lot of weeks. It's more <laughs> weeks than it isn't. But you're right. You're right, Peter. Uh, I believe, yes. But when the... Oh, I can't, I'm not supposed to talk about this yet. Digital archive. Oh, the emerging. Right. Mm, but mm, but I'll, yeah. come back, I'll come back to it another time. But I will, at some point, hopefully, be able to pinpoint exactly which issues were and which issues were not as a result of some work that is ongoing as we speak. Whisper. More news in, I think, July, actually. So oh, fantastic. I'll come back to that then. Uh, shall we talk quite briefly, Mike Holland? Yeah, go for it. Which, due to the production scheduling, I haven't actually finished writing it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm nearly there. So, uh, yesterday I drove a Renault Austral, which is a C-segment SUV. Yeah. Pretty ordinary car, but quite a clever powertrain. And every time I drive something like that, so... So this plus maybe the new Honda Civic and anything with a sort of complex hybrid powertrain. I sometimes think back to the Volkswagen XL1, which was a decade old, sort of very small two-seat, hyper-miling sort of supercar, but for economy. If you what like. was that? Was it a triple? It was, yeah. No, no, it was a it was a twin. Twin. It was twin. Half, effectively half of Volkswagen's 1.6 diesel at the time. So it was an oh, 800cc yes, yes. twin diesel plug-in hybrid. And it did, on the combined cycle, which is the NEDC combined fuel economy cycle at the time, it did 313 to the gallon. But, which is pretty amazing, <laughs> isn't it, really? They cost 120 grand. They yeah. were 800 kilos. They um, had a Ducati-sourced electrical system that used to go flat quite easily. Tyres were 800 quid, servicing every 3,000 miles, but oh. only at... Like you in the, in the UK, you had to take it to the Milton Keynes HQ oh, okay. to get it serviced. So it was a and a, there was an owner called Jim McGill. We did a feature on it in 2021, and he said that it was it wasn't it, it didn't feel like you owned it. It felt like you were allowed to drive a prototype yeah. that had been released into the wild. Got it. And um, in 2013, Automobile Magazine drove one. I think maybe to the Geneva Motor Show or something from they've drove one over quite a long distance so without its plug-in capability and it only in 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 
inverted commas, did 120 to the gallon. Still pretty good, isn't it? It's still not bad. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I thought of that is because yesterday I drove a Renault Austral, which has a 1.2 triple turbo petrol engine and a drive electric motor, a main electric motor, plus an integrated starter generator attached to the engine itself. Does you'll do 70 to the gallon, basically, 60 to 70. And you wow. will and you will do, uh, that's non-pluggable, and you kind of will pretty much get that. And that's out of a car which is twice the weight, much bigger frontal area, five seats. I mean, it's a compact SUV. Progress, you know, isn't it? Is, yeah, and I just was struck by that progress. But the, but the, the thing about it is the complexity of that, plus also the latest Honda Civic Hybrid has something similar. So the 1.2 engine... The drive motor drives most of the time. The 1.2 engine can be disconnected from that entirely and act as a generator for the battery. So it can just put charge into the two, it's only a two kilowatt hour battery. But it can also link to the wheels and add to the driving experience. I said, so what's the gearbox? And the blow went, oh yes, I need to tell you about the gearbox. It is a single speed transmission that doesn't have a friction clutch. It just has a dog clutch that connects the two, which just has slots in slots on the end of one shaft, fall into holes on the end of another shaft. Wow. And it drives the front wheels only uh, in a single speed when it connects to the wheels at all, which it may not do. And it's meshed by the cunning electric motor. And it's meshed by the yes, by the secondary motor that's attached to the engine. So the integrated starter oh, generator. generator. And it matches it because he says, you know, you have to match the revs exactly, otherwise it's Goes and you can't, yeah. and it's unacceptably bad. And, and it sounds I, great, doesn't it? it yeah, sounds and that's really, fabulous. Yeah, and that's got normal service, service intervals. It's yeah, you know, it just you don't have to take it to the to the main importer every three thousand miles. No, I don't know you're still burning stuff, and you know, a battery and an electric motor alone is even more effective, inefficient, thermally efficient still. But if you know, but if you still have a life where you need to get juice into a car quickly, yeah, or drive to Edinburgh, know, yeah, as, as people, you know, as people do. Right. And that I mean, there is are. still the argument about how you know a two kilowatt battery is much less um, of a draw on natural resources yeah, that yeah. everybody worries yeah. about. Yeah. So it's there's a good case for this car, isn't there? I think so. I mean, there's still you know, BEVs, battery electric vehicle sales are up to about 16 percent now. I think. This, yeah, they this doubled year. in they're, a year. They're doing pretty well. Yeah, they do it. They're up fifty. Something percent since this time last year. Yeah, yeah. And they do. You enjoy driving doing well. the Austrian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get. I, I think the the drivetrain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of it is uh, is good in parts, and the dynamics are not all that. But the, but the the drivetrain is clever. Yeah. I bung my all I've done with that car is stick my head through the driver's window and look at the interior. Yeah. <clears> and I thought that good. looked quite good. Yeah, it is. That is pretty good. Yeah. And they have a, it has the sort of upright touchscreen, but it retains. The climate controls separately to that on proper buttons, which oh, is good. Right. And the touchscreen uses this sort of Android Auto Google-based system, which is one of the better, one of the better ones. Hmm. I think you know they're better than most manufacturers. Yeah, agreed. Versions. Yeah. So yeah, but I was I thought well, if you put that drivetrain in an eight hundred kilogram streamliner, two seat, tiny thing like an XL one, I mean, what would that what would that do? That would yeah. that would get you. Um, over a hundred to the gallon, I would of have course, thought. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, easily looked after. Anyway, yeah, they're making progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. shame it's all going to have to die in twenty thirty five by that as as things go. Well, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's yeah, 
I, I think my understanding is that, uh, well, I mean, EVs are much more efficient, aren't they? They are overall, even with the battery, even making a battery, mm. it's st- you still, the crossover between, the crossover between uh, the CO2 output of, because it, it takes more CO2 to make a BEV than it does to make an internally combusted car. That crossover is where, where running a BEV is more efficient, comes after a couple of years, I think, yeah. two to four years, depending on the study that you... Yeah. But they move usage these, and these... where you and where you live and your use case and blah blah blah. But yeah. overall, it is more efficient. Yeah, much more efficient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's no greenhouse emission. Uh, sorry, there's no tailpipe emissions in town. No, of course about. not. No, but, no. But if at the moment your life says you know you need to put fuel in something, yeah, they're getting pretty good. Do at a it. tour of miles. Pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I just uh, I do slightly. Wish everything wasn't an SUV. Here we go. <laughs> We've had this conversation before. Back to your column a bit, mate. Thursday two. Uh, brand new Bentley, brand new Bentley dealership in High Wycombe. So, yeah, it was funny. I was, um, I, you know, I was still t- trying to figure out what to do with my redundant camper van, and mm. and so I found myself looking around a, a Land Rover dealership a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, and and I went in there and was ignored and I got the hump with that so I drove down the road and happened to see this Bentley dealership and I thought well I wonder what a, you know a cheap Bentayga costs <laughs> and uh, um, too much is, is the answer but <laughs> but I dropped into this place which had just opened up yeah and hi Wickham Bentley and and they're very nice people so I thought when the our Bentley you know the auto car Bentley flying spur long-termer hmm. was to be delivered, I thought it would be nice to get the handover done at this place where I knew the people already. And actually, funnily enough, the steering committee, who is a an academic, mm. educated one of the salesmen in no this way. place. Yeah, sort of <laughs> 25, 20 years ago or something. He sat in her class and, you know, he sent her a mugshot and she, That's she remembered him and all that. Anyway, um, so we went back to this, and, this place and did the handover. Mm. And um, that was a really great experience, 45 minutes um, a lot to understand in those cars, even though we drive other Bentleys. Mm. And there's a lot that you, there's there's a lot of sort of subtlety in some of the functions that you don't realise is there. So anyway, I drove off in this car. That's the DJ. Oh, right. No. <laughs> the DJ jacket's ready for collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and... Um, I drove off with this thing and, you know, how yeah, they are, quiet, smooth, you know, amazingly refined mechanically and all that. But the thing I've discovered afterwards was that it just gets better because you get, you're somewhat intimidated by the length and width mm. for a while, but then the steering's so good that you feel able to commit the car and, you know, drive it six inches from the curb here and there. And mm. So I've, I've done 500 miles so far. Okay. I'll hand it over to you. Don't Ooh, worry. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I will. Uh, oh, you know, I could return the Alpina D3 Touring, which you'd like. Yeah, I would. So, yeah. Well, also, um, I mean, it's a great thing for us to share around when somebody's going on a bit of a journey because mm. even the fuel consumption is not bad so far. Twenty nine. So, and it, oh, that's good. It's, it's a, a high, it's, it's a plug in. Plug in. Yeah. So yeah. you got to. It it draws a bit of juice through my house, oh, but um, it does. whatnot. But yeah. but uh, you can get about thirty miles out of the. 
Oh, the electric range? Pure EV alone, 30 mm, miles. And it's not bad, is it? It's quite pokey, actually? and it'll yeah, cruise right. quite, you know, 60, 70 down the road just on EV. I tend to run it on hybrid, though, because if you set a route in the nav and head out, say, from the country to London, mm-hmm. the brain in the in the nav says, well, I won't use the, the electric till I get to the outskirts of London gotcha. and avoid polluting the... Yeah, um, avoid emissions when yeah, it gets the there. Yeah. So clever. That's clever, yeah. And my guess would... Be a lot of those cars are used like that, aren't they? Where I think so. has got, you know, in London during the week and a, and you know out out in the Cotswolds for yeah. the weekend, and it's a car that will run around all week without the perfect use for it. Anything. I think is is you know drive to somewhere where you can leave it and you know, frankly, go by public transport or get on yeah. as as I do, get on your electric scooter. Yeah, and and um, you know, out of town is the place, mm. but. That's just my opinion. No, I, think I agree. Mate. Yeah, and then when you want to do a longer journey, that's perfect. perfect yeah, perfect for it. Yeah. Well, we're cooking up holidays, you know. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, one last thing, then uh, Saturday morning classic car show in Sirencester. Oh, there's every year. I think it's only every year they they have a a gathering of about fifty cars in the market square. That's mm-hmm. Sirencester is my local market town. I live mm-hmm. about four miles away, and um, um. This year was just a joy. There were, it seemed to have been curated by somebody really clever because there was a, there was a, Isotta Fraschini 1906 land speed record car, believe wow. it or not. Wow! There was. I'm gonna have to Google this. There was Carry a. <laughs> while while middle aged man Google something. Uh, yeah. There was um there was a um, oh god, all kinds of things. You know, really nice little a dog bone escort, um type Ford, but there, but but there was. Uh, there was no repetition. That that was that was what oh, really? led me to believe that somebody clever had, yeah. had, had, had curated this. Fifty really interesting cars. I was there for ages. We were supposed to be doing something else, but I'm afraid the our, our family fixture had to go by the board while, <laughs> <laughs> while you were doing it. But um, uh, this thing, this Isotta, this thing had an Isotta engine. Yeah. But it was a Fiat to start with in 1906. So. Was a, it was a thing that was so long, the engine was so long and the and the and the chassis that the people the two people sat outside the rear axle. Oh here it is, yes, here's a picture of it. Unbelievable the, thing. A sort of Frashini land speed car, sixteen and a half litre. Yep, that's it. Cool. It's got Lovely. a it's it's a, a chain a, on the, the next to the driver's right elbow by, yeah, yeah. by the looks of it. It's scary, isn't the it? Back. Yeah, it is a bit. That's but you, a big engine, isn't it? The engine's out of an airship, I think I guess. Oh really? Um, it it started off with two Fiat engines in line, so I'd quite a chariot. Have you ever driven some big aero engine special or something? Like, I went in that. Uh, that's the the one at Brooklands. You've had a go in, haven't you? The the, the, the Napier Railton. Napier yeah, Rotten. I have yeah. had a go in that. It's wonderful. That that's twenty four liter, <laughs> um, Arrowhead twelve. Yeah, fantastic car. Easy to drive, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. The only thing about that was that you couldn't. There are speeds you couldn't do because it had. Idled at a thousand, max revs was two thousand about on, mm. from memory. It had a three-speed box, so there were point there were speeds you couldn't do. So we were going around following these blokes hanging out of a transit trying to fi- film us. Yeah, and and they'd say bit faster, bit slower, and and of course if you think about it, you're only a thousand away from the from the idling speed at max revs. So mm. so they'd say slow down a bit, and you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> in second gear at 
you know, a thousand RPM, it was still doing about 60. <laughs> so I was allowed to do 108 miles an hour, really? 1800 in top. Yeah. Wow. And that uh, was at uh, Chobham Test Chobham, Track, was yeah. it? So down the long straight there, which presumably doesn't feel that long. In a no, no. <laughs> I tell you what, though, that it, you, you can't help having enormous respect for the likes of John Cobb, oh, who sat in yeah. the thing for 24 hours or whatever it's it was. It's astonishing, isn't it? Just astonishing. I, yeah, I, I, the Vintage Sports Car Club does, um, when it races and things like that, you see some old specials. Oh, some lovely ones, aren't they? Really cool. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, there's Absolutely. a Derek V8 that, sort of that, uh, that, oh God, I've forgotten that guy's name, but there was, was, just watching the start is a, is a, is an event, yeah. you know, these things explode into life and the, and the whole vehicle twists and shakes. And, <laughs> exactly. You know, you, wouldn't, you shouldn't really stand within 10 yards of it, let alone no, drive it. No, but brilliant stuff. But I, I did a, I went to one of their races a couple of years ago to have a poogle around in an Austin 7. But That's some right. of the... You won, didn't you, or something? No, 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 nowhere no. near. Oh, oh uh, I no. I thought you... No, I, th that was a well. different... Now, come on. Set, no, 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 no. The, the vintage sports car club stuff we did in an Austin 7 chummy and, and finished nowhere. But, oh. I, but last year I did a couple of things in a special in a seven special oh, okay. for the seven's hundredth anniversary but that was 750 motor club and i was another good bunch. i was loaned quite a competitive car i think second in class i think it was yeah. so yeah i was you know i was quite i was quite pleased with how that but yeah it was good and there was yes one of the cars belonged to uh john miles in a former oh time. that's a famous car yeah because yeah. he, he owned I think he owned like four after his retirement or something like that and one of yeah. them was yeah one of the cars I drove was one of his but he it was his, amazing his career started in Austin 7 racing didn't it he used to oh really he used to drive all around the countryside so he'd be oh. you know he'd go from if he had to go to Snetterton for a race yeah he'd just drive get in the car with his gear and his spare pair of undies and you know, buzz off to Snet for the weekend, yeah. having, you know, round trip, I don't know, whatever it is, 250 miles, yeah. race the car a couple of times. That's cool, isn't it? It my, is. My favourite motoring book is Building and Racing, my 750 special, I think it's called, and the author's name escapes me. I'll look it out for, I'll put it on a social thing. And it's, but it's lovely. And it's a similar story. You know, a guy builds, has a chassis, there's some old tubing in his works basement so he builds that in the street outside under a you know a, I think <laughs> eventually at some point during it he moves house where he gets a garage oh, you know? so he's fabulous. he's doing that but he builds it with a yeah builds it with a mate drives to forget where he forget where he lives but he drives all over the place to Snetterton to Silverstone and you know all over did the he shop. do okay yeah they did pretty well in the end yeah yeah and I can't I don't, you sort of search for the number plate and the special. I don't. It's hard, I don't know if it's survived. I don't think so. But it. Well, it's just a really lovely story of, oh. of people having a great time in. A great I must time say, enjoying cars. When you were doing your Austin Seven bits, I must say I I was amazed that you didn't, you know, lash out just just sort of go into hock and buy one. Well, I did own one before. Oh, of course, you yeah, did. but I know I, I, but I feel sorry, we're banging on this pod, should it should finish in a minute. But <laughs> we, the house I lived in at the time had a garage in a block out the back with no power, kids' bicycles in the way, all that sort of thing. And every time I went to had to go, it was a wreck when I bought it. And every time I had to go and work on it, I'd have to wheel an extension cable down and uh, move everything out. But it was half an hour before you were ready to start working on it in a very small garage, which I didn't have a lot of tools at the time for us. 
now I've moved to the sticks, so I've got a big shed, so that's yeah. fine. With stuff but, in it. With stuff in it, yeah. But in the <laughs> end, I saw, I just thought, I'm just not, I'm not doing this, I'm not working on this car at all. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting the time. Why don't I just sell it to somebody? A bloke in Italy bought it, um, sight unseen. A, a transporter turned up that was taking a load of cars to Italy, wheeled this seven onto the back, and away it went. And about eight weeks later, he sent me a picture of it, finished, looking fantastic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but hey-ho. So but I maybe, yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll yeah. do another. But it's finding the time to do any of this. Post-imp. The imp needs to, needs to uh, have its day in the sun. It does. Its day in the sun should come at the Flywheel Festival at Bista Heritage later this month. Oh, right. I'll be there. Well, yeah, I look forward to Saturday. Yeah, it doesn't. It still went idle properly and I, it's really infuriating but it runs well enough that I can You'll get probably three find miles. 25 imp specialists walking yeah, around yeah exactly that would be ideal I'll just take <laughs> it there and by the end of the day it will be working perfectly anyway that brings us belatedly to the end of this week's My Week in Cars we will be back next Wednesday uh, we're both on some travels aren't we but we'll find a way yeah yeah meantime thank you for joining us you can write to us autocar at haymarket.com you can find us at autocar.co.uk we're over on youtube we're on all the socials and we are on digital subscription or in print as we have been weekly since 1895 <laughs> well we'll end <laughs> see you next time Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.